What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on a precursor to Texas, Texas A&M on Thanksgiving night, as it happens every single. Oh, it doesn't happen anymore because college football is actually dumb sometimes. No, it's the full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined, as I am, twice a week on this here podcast by my fellow UNG alumni down there in Tequila, Georgia. Matt, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Yes, sir. Doing well. You uh, you uh, confused me a little bit with that intro. I was. I feel like I'm just hoping Texas A&M gets to play their the current games they have scheduled. That, I feel like we're getting greedy if we're wanting the, the Texas game to come back. I have to keep you on your toes, Matt. I I think I I have to do that. Um, yeah, I just I wish that was that was still a thing. And Tennessee, I think, just paused all uh, Tennessee basketball. Uh, just paused all activities. They were supposed to tip off Wednesday oh, wow. against Charlotte. So that's not happening. College uh, basketball was tipping off Wednesday. Yeah. Wow, I am not ready for college basketball right now. Well, neither is college basketball because COVID <laughs> has decided uh, that is not going to happen right now. Um, I- I guess the th- the Thanksgiving thing is is why they decided to keep the Iron Bowl this week because like the Thanksgiving tradition because I'm I'm so annoyed by that that like Iron Bowl that's that's the final game of the season I don't care when you start the season when you end the season that should be the final game but yeah I guess I guess that Thanksgiving tradition like you were kind of talking about A and M Texas maybe that's why they chose to make the schedule that way I don't know. Make, make Thanksgiving real uncomfortable if it wasn't already with, with all the politics everyone's talking. I uh I haven't even decided what I'm going to do with that this week. Well, that's another podcast. Um, I, I don't know. I think I was thinking about this the other day, but I don't know if you agree. I don't think I'm going to remember much about this season. I think we're just going to have an outlier where it's just because everything is so weird. Different teams are playing a different amount of games. Like, do you really think you're going to remember much from this college football season after it's all said and done, like seven years out when we're back to normal next year? Like, do you really think we're going to remember or be like, oh, remember that random year? No one's going to remember. Didn't they do the Iron Bowl on a weird date? Like, didn't they? Like, I don't know if we're going to remember any of that. You're saying like when you look back at the the records or something, no yeah. one's even going to kind of take that into account. Yeah, we're just going to throw that's, this one out. This year is just possible. getting thrown out. As a Georgia fan, I wish we would just go ahead and throw this season out. You know what I mean? As you a know, Tennessee I, fan, I would I like to throw like, this season out. We gotta watch. We gotta watch Florida play the SEC championship. We gotta watch Justin Fields maybe win the Heisman. I'm like, we could just cancel the season. Hashtag cancel the season. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I feel like people will definitely. Rem- it's it's too it's too crazy not to remember like this this. Oh yeah, remember the year that all the SEC teams only played each other? Like you're definitely gonna gonna think about that and. But when you're looking back in history, it's like no one remembers all those mediocre middle-of-the-road teams anyway. It's just going to come down to remembering the top playoff teams, you know. And I feel like as far as the playoff goes, all of those teams have been, you know, mostly unscathed. Obviously, Clemson had the issue with with Trevor Lawrence. That could cost them. And, like, looking at Clemson, people probably remember Clemson that way. Like, oh, yeah, they made the playoffs seven out of eight years or something. and. Oh, the only year they didn't was when they lost because their quarterback got COVID. You know, like something like that, which honestly they can clearly still get in the playoff and still win the national championship. But, but yeah, I feel like it's not going to be remembered too too strange because the, the top of the top is still you know your basic brand brand names that everybody knows. Yeah. Um, well, don't forget you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and if you are an Apple Podcast listener. Give us a five star rating and review. It helps. We promise. Um, what uh, what did you what did you watch this weekend, Matt? How did you d- divide up your time? Um, I, I was watching it all, man. I was uh, I was real disappointed the uh, the news the news we got with Clemson and Florida State to start the day that we were 
that we were losing a game. But um, yeah, you know, I just we had a, we had a good slate of college football. That it was weird to having the the three thirty CBS slot watching Nevada and San Diego State here and Gary Danielson and and Brad Nestler do that game. And well, it was of, nice uh, to actually have a competitive, interesting football game. That's fair. That game slot. was that was a great game. I was like hooked on that game. Yeah, but, because um, uh, it's not SEC football, which is the worst in the in the sport. Hey, you, you bite your tongue. <laughs> hey, the Big Ten is not looking that great. All right, Michigan Iowa putting on a clinic. Running back you at Minnesota with Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, Purdue starting a, a new QB. Rondale yeah, Moore and David Wisconsin, Bell out there doing. Wisconsin was supposed to be the second actual contender in the conference, and like no, hold no on, shade thrown at Northwestern. Hold on. I'm not but... done. Michael Penix out dueling Justin Fields. They put on a clinic. You have. But you know uh, there was some garbage time, and not garbage uh, time, but. Ohio State was up big. Like that game wasn't as close as the score. We'll get to all those games. Not that he didn't but you're ball taking out. shots at the Big Ten. How can you take I'm shots just at the Big saying, Ten? Uh, because you're acting like the Big Ten is like it's a just, much better conference. Like, I think it's right now this year it might be better, but it's not like much better. Well, like, it's both, also, I'm talking more about watchability. A lot of weaknesses. Give me Rutgers, Michigan nonsense versus Florida, um, <laughs> Vanderbilt or LSU, Arkansas. Yeah, but you talking about. The second and third best teams in the in the Big Ten right now are, is was that the game Wisconsin Northwestern? I mean, you can make a case for Indiana too, but like Florida and Texas A and M are the second and third best teams. And I feel like I put both of those teams way ahead of any of the those next three in the Big Ten. I feel, and then what is it Georgia and Auburn probably fourth and fifth? Like they're you know it's it's not a great conference, but the fourth and fifth. Georgia and Auburn are probably better than who's fourth and fifth in the Big Ten right now. Like Iowa, Iowa and Michigan, or no, Michigan's Purdue? not. No, Iowa. Uh, it's, they're both not. They're both kind of down. That's uh, like, as far as being the elite conferences in college football. That's all I'm saying. Like the SEC is definitely down in terms of how many like just solid competitive teams they have. But well, I was also talking about in terms of watchability. Great. Like it's just. All the games, like I shouldn't say all the games. The majority of the games are just bad. Like they're just they they play a lot of they just play a very bad brand of football. It Maybe. has felt like we haven't gotten a lot of like great finishes or just kind of just competitive games down to the wire. It, Alabama it, it, won sixty three to three this week on the SEC game. But that's Never. standard. I mean, Alabama does that against half of their schedule every year. Anyway, they, against Kentucky, they if, well, if I mean they're Kentucky's doing... supposed to be average, like a middle of the road SEC team, and they just get oh. stomped. Of course, but I feel that like the, the Kentucky, worst loss in Mark Stoops' The Kentucky Bama score any year will always be 63-3. Like, that's not going to be a close game. But right, we're, we're running through all of these games before we get to it. We need to, <laughs> we need to not do that. Um, quickly, though, um, some news that happened, and we'll do uh, uh, sir, some, some playoff rankings. Um, Quinn Ewers, remember him? Texas commit, quarterback commit. Flip to Ohio State. Any thoughts on that? Ohio State gets another one? Man, Ohio State, these that's for the 2022 class. So this 2021 class they have is just so elite. They still have room to add a few guys in this one. And the 2022 class is just going to be the same. It seems like every day you look up, there's like a, another crystal ball prediction for a five-star in that class to Ohio State. They're, they're just recruiting on another level right now. I mean, Alabama and Ohio State especially seem to be recruiting – kind of a level above everyone else in the country. Yeah. Um, Ryan Day is putting on a clinic. Um, one other note before we get into the playoff rankings. Um, Dabo Sweeney is not a good person. This is something that... Hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. <laughs> a friend of the pod, Will Leach, wrote about him today um, for New York Magazine that he is the biggest villain in college football. Um Dabo Sweeney, his comments about Florida State and what happened there, and Florida State officials being like, ah, seems like a bad idea to have a guy who's been practicing with his offensive line all week, um, was, was symptomatic, even though he was testing negative, was symptomatic, and then traveled with the team, and then Florida State was like, ah, I don't know if we want to do this. This sounds like a super spreader event, potentially, and this they've already had problems with it. Their coach had it. And Dabo saying that they use COVID as a BS excuse not to not to play on Saturday, even though they, he was allowing his guys to practice. 
um, even when they were symptomatic and getting close contact with other players and team. And like their quarterback has had it. It's just Dabo says a lot of bad things. The I would quit college football if players made money. Like, I don't know why he's still recruiting at the level that he is. If I was a, uh, I just I don't understand it. Like if you're a big time recruit, you should stop going there. Um, stop supporting this person. I I genuinely <laughs> think he is wrong about everything. It's kind of amazing that he is the wrong opinion haver um, when it comes to college coaches. We'll get into Kirby and Jeremy Pruitt and these other college programs who just are really bad at public relations and are really just bad at talking to the media in general. But um, I would just not put my kid in this program. Like I just think at this point, what else does he need to be? What well, else does he need to say before you're like, yeah, we need to stop giving this guy um, all these chances to to get better and stuff like that is just dangerous and nonsensical and just um, I'm gonna curse here, uh, just bullshit. So Dabo Sweeney, uh, stop talking, uh, stop making an ass of yourself, and uh, DJ Uilehi. Uh, transfer uh, superstars on this program transfer and just uh, yeah let's let's move on that is I, I'm fired Man, up about really that. Uh, really calling out Clemson and Dabo Swinney so I really don't like him Matt I really don't I really really dislike Dabo I'm, I'm Swinney. also not I'm not the biggest Dabo Swinney fan but I feel like the like the actual tangible things to point at only started like the last like two years or so and it's it's kind of weird, like when he started being the oh you know we're just little old Clemson they just don't want to keep us in the playoff we're just little old Clemson it's like no bro your schedule's trash Alabama's like dominant Ohio State's like dominant and you're number three like relax no one's keeping you out of the playoff you're mm-hmm. you're number three right now because of your resume as far as when he was saying that a year ago but as far as this situation goes it seemed strange as because the guy they said yeah he had symptoms but. You don't necessarily know what COVID symptoms are if someone's testing negative, you know, as far as just having a sore throat or runny nose or something like that. So if the guy's testing negative, I I can't necessarily like say Clemson was just like, you know, just not being safe in the matter. But obviously Florida State wanted to take precaution, but it seemed like Clemson wanted to make it happen. And like they said you know, we'll retest everybody on the team. We'll play Sunday. We'll play Monday. Like, we'll do what we have to do. And Florida State's just like, nah, we don't We don't want to play. Like, even Dan Radakovich is saying, like, that's $300,000 that our program's just throwing out the window. Like, he sounded so mad that I don't even think that there's a chance they are going to make up this game, even though Mike Norvell is now saying, like, he'll, have, he'll pay some money out of his pocket to make the game happen or something like that. I don't. I don't really buy that, but I mean, it's just interesting because athletic directors don't really give us a lot very often. You know, they are the typical PR kind of answers. And for Dan Radakovich to say, like, in his opinion, Florida State forfeited the game. Like, if he said if the standard to play was zero positive tests, we would have never had a season. So I think it's it's I really want to know what the truth is, because obviously Florida State, like in 2020, like it's the safe move to just be like, you know what? We don't want to even come close to, to getting COVID or anyone getting COVID. Let's just shut the whole thing down. But it sounded like, like, you know, Clemson made the trip. There are, there's, there's, there's a money factor here, you know? And so there's, there's a lot that went into having to play that game and a lot of people, a lot of moving parts. And it seemed like Clemson wanted it more than Florida state did. Hmm. You disagree with that? I just... You are leading a very powerful organization and university. Like, it is your responsibility when you have that kind of power and you have that many people listening to you to just err on the side of caution. Like, this season, everybody is dealing with stuff. University don't... Like, (laughs) there's no blueprint on how to handle this and florida state being spooked based on previous stuff that's happened this season is totally acceptable and totally fine and i understand you are out on three hundred thousand dollars like you're gonna make that up you're clemson like it's not a you're not a small program there's little clemson man they they don't have three hundred thousand dollars there's little clemson yeah they'll be all right so no no and that's and that's a valid point and i think that's what it comes down to and it's kind of like the the moral high ground argument of just like 
look, we don't we don't know. This is unprecedented season. We're just gonna avoid any risk. And and that does work. It did work. Like they canceled the game. It just I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like with just one player testing testing positive, it seems like you could can't you could test all the players again and then and then just you know play the next day. It's weird that a test result would come back so late. Like that's it's like the Justin Turner thing. Like why are test results coming back in the seventh inning of the World Series? Like that's just a strange timing thing to me. But um, but yeah, it is what it is. It's it's a weird situation. I I really would like to know like what the truth really is. Like is is someone avoiding this game or are we just really are they really trying to do what's safe for everybody? It's you know you never know. Either way, um, just he makes it so easy. Dabo Sweeney really makes it easy to just not like this person. Um, I just, I really don't like him, and I would like him to be gone from college football. It would be better for college football for this guy to disappear. Like, well, the name, name, image, and likeness stuff is is supposed to start next year, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that'll drive him off. He doesn't want players getting paid either. But unfortunately, I think I think Dabo Sweeney is here to stay. I think he's gonna be around for a lot longer in college football. I don't know. I don't know if I can. Because he doesn't it. seem like a pro guy, right? I don't know. Like, I mean, if he doesn't want his college players getting paid, I don't know how he would feel about getting paid less money per year than like five or six player on players on his roster. So I don't know. He he doesn't seem like an NFL guy. So I I think he'll be in college for a while. Yeah. Oh well. Um, playoff. Um, rankings. Matt Green, what do you what do you have right now? Who are your top four and your let's do this like where I've seen this a couple times like top four and then your first two out like the two on the outside looking in. So right now, like uh, like you said, the the rankings are probably going to come or first playoff rankings are coming off this week. I don't think this week is going to be that difficult. Well, let's um, oh let's also preface: Are you doing your personal rankings or what you think the rankings are going to be? Um. That's a good question. I guess I'm just going my personal rankings. I, I think feel that's like more it, interesting. I don't really care I, what the other rankings yeah, are. Yeah, I feel like this is what it will be, but I feel like this is also what it should be. Um, so I think Alabama is going to be one. I think so far they've just looked the most dominant. Um, Notre Dame, two. They have the best win of the college football season. Ohio State, three. Uh, and then you have to say Clemson, four. And then it gets tough with Texas A&M Florida, but with Texas A&M, the head-to-head victory, I don't think it's that tough. So I think Texas A&M five, then Florida six. And then I would have, yeah, like Cincinnati BYU still on the, on the out looking in. What about you? Yeah. Um, this is also why I don't think BYU has anything to gain by playing Washington is like, I don't think there's any beating Washington is not going to usurp Florida, Texas A&M, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Like they're not getting in. Like there's just there's no path, so them playing them actually doesn't uh, doesn't change their season trajectory. So I know I know BYU are your boys. Yes. So uh, you don't want to say anything bad about them, but you don't you don't think it's a bad look for them to turn down a game? No. I, I just think yeah, Washington's not going to be the game. It's not Oregon they're adding their schedule. No. That's not yeah, the like game it's that not gets them in the playoff. Right. But I feel like it. It's almost like it's a process. You know, it's like for Boise State to even be considered. It's like it, it took years to like get that name recognition and then like, you know, it, it seems like it's a process. All these other major conference teams have the luxury of like, we're good for one year and we're going to get voted in. It's like with BYU, if if we know that like these guys are going to play anyone anywhere, that's what they say. They want to play anyone, any anywhere, anytime, any place. And, and then they have an opportunity to schedule a Pac-12 team. A, not even a good Pac-12 team, like a solid, a decent Pac-12 team, and they don't do it. They want to see where they are in the rankings. It's like, well, we don't want to know on Tuesday night if we have a game Saturday. We want to know now. And I respect Washington being like, well, the offer's off the table. Like, I just feel like it, it's a, I think it's a bad move for BYU, who's trying to beef up their schedule in any way they can, get a Pac-12 team on the schedule, and like. You know, who knows? You beat Washington, and then Washington goes to overtime with Oregon, and then someone's like, oh, well, maybe that's a better win than we thought. So it just seems like it's just strange for them to to turn down anybody because they are trying to boost their schedule however they can. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it's that. I, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of these teams had an opportunity to schedule BYU, and I think this is still a season where they can control their own destiny. And I think it's like we'll play like book us in the future, like Oklahoma. You want it, book us in the future, like. I, I don't think they should be at the mercy of these other Pac-12 teams scrambling and being like, oh, come play us because um, they can't find games and they suddenly are able to play non-conference games. I don't know. I think no, I mean, that's yeah, that's fair. It it just it seems like in a year or two, if, if they had a week schedule and, you know, maybe they only have one one power five team on their schedule or something and they run the table and it's like they kind of have a leg to stand on of the argument. Well, we we'll play anyone anywhere, anytime, but they you, they don't want to schedule us anymore. Like because that's kind of what Boise State ran to. It's like a lose lose situation to play them. But it just I, I wish BYU wasn't running from this, not running from the game. But I wish they would have just just agreed to it because it would have just been a really cool story. It would have added a cool narrative to you know what BYU football is all about, in my opinion. Yeah. I I don't know. We uh we shall see what happens there. Maybe they do schedule it, but um I don't know. I think uh it will be fine either way. Um for me, I have Alabama one, <sighs> Notre Dame two, but I still like I I kind of want to like you can't do it because Clemson lost, but like I still probably don't think they if you play Notre Dame Clemson with Trevor Lawrence a hundred times, Clemson probably wins 94 times of those somewhere around there with my guess. Um, but you still have to give them that win. So Notre Dame two, Clemson three, and then Ohio state four, and then Mm. Florida five and Texas A&M six. See, I don't know how you can rank Florida ahead of Texas A&M. I think Florida's like what they were at the beginning. I think it's another one of those things where it's just my sentiment of like, I trust Florida's offense more than I trust anything about Texas A&M where I do think you could play that game a hundred times. Florida wins. What? See what I feel like we have such a small sample size of games in college football, like in terms of the teams actually playing against one another. Like, I feel like you have to value that over anything. And I feel like it's a higher football power index right now, Florida or Texas A&M. I mean, probably Florida. Like, if I'm yeah. like, if I'm ranking who I think the best teams are, like, I put Florida ahead of Texas A&M. But we know that's not what the rankings are. Like, well, I no, think we're doing my State- own personal. Like, what I've seen this year, where I would rank the teams, I don't want to put Notre Dame two at all because no, we all know Notre Dame is not the second best college football team in the country. Like, we all know that's that. true. But from what they've put on tape in the 2020 football season, like, you have to give them the 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 yeah. not over Ohio State you know it's just the rankings are a flawed system like we all know that but it's it's like you have to work within the parameters of the rankings and when two teams that have basically the same resume and one beats the other one it's like you kind of have to put them in in front and and that's why I, I ultimately Notre Dame is at two because the win over Clemson like it, who who's who's Alabama's best win a&M, I guess, at this point, and which is a strong win. A&M and Georgia, I guess, are Alabama's best wins. And I, well, Notre see, Dame. I'm not a big win guy. I don't care about that. Schedule, I don't think, matters. I think the people who do the strength of the schedule, that was something I hated about SEC fans for years, of who did y'all play? And it's like, well, I mean, Ohio State doesn't have to play anybody. They could play they could play North Alabama 12 times and still be just as ready to beat Alabama as they would have been if they had been tested. Like, they have the talent but, to play with anybody whenever they want. Um but that's the, a relevant topic, and that's and that's why SEC see I don't fans, I don't place a lot of emphasis in my grading on strength of schedule. I don't really concern myself with that all that much. But it's it's why SEC fans have hated on Ohio State for yeah. years, and why they hated on the Matt Liner USC era because it's like you know that that team is good enough to play with anyone week in and week out. But that's also how SEC fans feel about the top, usually the top three or four to maybe even five teams in the SEC is that. They can beat anybody any week in college football, but since they have to play two or three of those really good teams in their conference and even others that aren't as good, but just the middle of the road in the SEC historically was just always stronger. And so when when USC is sleepwalking for three quarters against 
Fresno State or something. I don't know why I didn't name a Pac-12 team, but you know what I mean? Like when they're struggling with someone like that and then pull it out at the end. It's like it just irritates the SEC fans that are like, we had to go toe-to-toe with Auburn and Alabama the last two weeks, and they're over here messing around with, with Cal and pulling it out. But it's not like that doesn't happen with win. y'all. Like, Georgia lost to Boise. Georgia struggled with App State and would have lost that game if but Jacob Eason doesn't get hurt. Lost, Georgia team lost to Boise wasn't a good team, though. Like, that wasn't... Well, I mean, like, Kirby would have lost to App State probably in that opener. Like, if Jacob Eason doesn't get hurt, they lose that game. Jacob Eason got hurt against App State. I'm saying State he didn't. I mean, they he got hurt in the first quarter. Georgia yeah, still won the game bad. by like four touchdowns. That game was like that was was like 31-10 or something. You were going down that game for sure. No, yeah. no, you're you're talking crazy. No, but well, anyway, um, my other team fun. that I'm just really mad at, and we'll get to them. And I still think they're a top five team is Wisconsin. I really do. Northwestern, I'm not like Northwestern is just this like bug. That you just you want to swat like we know they suck they the defense like the fighting Reese Davises was funny but like it just they're not they're they're not good that offense really stinks and Graham Mertz is really really good and he had a rough day but like they are still just built to be a playoff team and I think Wisconsin is right there with the Florida's Texas A&M's Ohio State's Clemson Notre Dame's like if I had to play Wisconsin Notre Dame. 100 times on a neutral site, I would say Wisconsin wins 80 plus. Wisconsin. After really, their performance against I, Northwestern? I know, I'm not it's sure. Northwestern. It's Northwestern. I think Wisconsin's yeah, North- not going to lose another game the rest of the way, and I'm just going to be very mad at them. I mean, they obviously turned the ball over five times. Yes. And if you're going to turn the ball over like that, you can, you can lose to anybody. But I feel like I was not impressed with Wisconsin. I. I mean, I'm I'm sure that they might, they might run the table and, and finish you know however many games they get in six and one or something, but um, I uh, no I, I do not think Wisconsin is anywhere close to Notre Dame or Florida at, at this at this moment. All right, well let's get into this week's games. Um, oh, by the way, Mike Norvell responded to uh, Dabo today, an hour ago. Football coaches are not doctors, is what he said oh man this is getting uh this is getting dirty i like it team norvell on this podcast the full ride wholeheartedly endorses mike norvell and the florida state seminoles hey i will say i'm not a Dabo fan but i think in this specific instance i think i'm kind of siding with clemson on this one it seemed like clemson was trying to do more to play the game disregard matt's previous statement (laughs) as uh the full ride wholeheartedly supports Mike Norvell and Florida State in their fight against college football tyranny. Um, <laughs> Tennessee. <sighs> hey, hold on. Are you, were you getting into games right now? Or you want to get to the pick them? Oh, you yeah, the get, pick them that I know I did really well in. You did excellent this I know week, I did. So, uh, eight and three against Woo! the spread and, and eight and three overall for you. That was an excellent week. I went five and six against mm. the spread, which I seem to do every single week. Uh, and then I went seven and four overall. So, so far on the season, you are 54, 48 and one against the spread to my 49, 54 and one. And overall, I lead 65-39, and you are 60-44. and 44. So uh, things, are, uh, things are still close. Anything could happen. A few more weeks left. I like it. I like it. And um, Zeus, Zeus is now 1-1 one one oh, on the season. Oh, I, I missed that. I, I, I gave him a shout-out last night on the Instagram, and then I realized this morning, and I was like, I think he picked Utah now at USC. I, had to, <laughs> I like thought about it. I was like... Hey, it sounded better to call him the undefeated. Well, uh, I thought about... I forgot that he actually picked Utah and not USC. I thought he had picked USC for whatever reason. And then I looked back, and I was like, oh, he actually picked Utah. Yeah. It was so. because of your Jake Bentley text, and I was like... That's what yeah. it is. And I like, was thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, Utah. They just did fine. It's like, oh, yeah, Utah lost yeah, that yeah. game. Yeah. That's why I blame Utah for... Uh, the quarterback situation Zeus could not have foreseen that so you know it's not his but, fault but he is one and one on the season um one other quick uh thing before we get in uh joe burrow tore his acl mcl and suffered other structural issues in his knee yesterday. <sighs> dude that was a uh, that was a bad that's looking. bad 
Yeah, I I, th- I first I hadn't heard that yet until you just said that. I heard first thought I heard that it was just the ACL, and I was thinking like honestly that that sounds good. Like it's it looked a lot worse, so that makes that makes more sense here, and they did more damage. Brutal. Man, that's a shame. Joe Joey B was was killing it. Get and well honestly, soon. I I don't know about you. I feel like Tua's. I don't think we're not getting off the off the rails right now. But I feel like Tua is a has got a bust bust potential all over him. I don't know. Mm. What, like Joe Burrow, I feel like just looks like that guy. But Tua, well, it doesn't I don't help know. that Justin Herbert looks exceptional too, for sure. And I was I don't know if you heard last week. He was like, you know, what were you most surprised about the NFL? He's like, it's just it's so easy. I was surprised at how easy it is. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, don't say that. Literally, your next game, you get benched in like the third quarter. Kind of like he didn't play bad, but he wasn't playing particularly well. But I don't know. That's my hot take is that Tua is going to be a bust in the NFL. So I'm just I'm uh, I'm monitoring that each week. We shall see. Um, Tennessee 17, Auburn 30. Um, I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, Tennessee outgained Auburn in this football game and still lost. That's, that's the only thing that matters, right? Right. It's the only thing that matters. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to read you this little nugget uh, from ESPN. So. They were like, man, they were basically looking at different teams who might be making coaching changes, hot seat stuff. And he said, this is David Hale. So why would Tennessee make a change now? Hugh Freeze. Several industry sources say Tennessee is the preferred landing spot for Freeze. I don't know if I can handle Hugh Freeze press conferences. I don't know if I can handle listening to him talk. Um, Jeremy Pruitt sucks. Feinbaum has talked about this a lot and how he talks to the media and the things that he says just so tone deaf and just like what are you doing very adversarial like Kirby's terrible too with the media like we'll get to Kirby's comments um after uh George's game too um they're both atrocious with that Feinbaum describes Pruitt's demeanor as like a high school coach where it's just like dude you just it he's just really bad at PR but um I don't know like Q Freeze I think would do a much better job but it's going to cost around $19 million to buy out Pruitt and the entirety of his assistants in a year where everyone in the AD um, is having to take pay cuts and jobs are being lost. And it's that's a lot of money to just throw down the drain to bring in somebody else. Um, and I don't know where the money is coming from to bring in Freeze. But if that I, I understand why Freeze would prefer Tennessee over South Carolina. It's a better job. Sorry, South Carolina fans, but uh, Tennessee is a better job. Um, I I don't know. Like, I think Garantano, that pick six and that drive is just going to sit with me for a while because they just ran the ball so well. Eric Gray is going to be great in the NFL. <laughs> just a little another Kamara 2.0. Just his start and stop movements, and he was exceptional in this game. Um, Ramel Keaton liked the tweet from Friend of the Pod and the Volcanic Takes podcast on here um mentioning that uh garantano has thrown to keaton just a billion times this season and they have just not connected ever and uh keaton liked the tweet about uh garantano uh missing a wide open keaton again on saturday night but uh yeah it was just an all-around bad effort the run game was strong um garantano made some bad plays bailey came in bailey was better um didn't take a lot of shots did basically what jim cheney wants to do but uh yeah, I I think this is we're inching towards really, really, really bad waters uh, for Tennessee football right now. Like at some point, do we just have to like cut the cord on Jared Garantano? Like I like he's not bad, but it's like he just has a knack for making like the huge mistake. It seems yeah. like just like the backbreaker. And I mean, what's his name? Smoke Monday. He's a hundred yard pick six extraordinaire, second one of his career. But um. I don't know. I've never seen one player get benched more times in a career. Like, how many times has he been benched at this point? Like, at at this point, you just just we know what he is. Let's see what the new guy's got. You know, I just Tennessee. He's got half as many interceptions for TDs as he does TD passes this season. Oh, that's not great. (laughs) But in terms of uh, your talks of like Hugh Freeze and everything, I just. It seems like money rarely ever holds these moves back. You know, we're we always talk about it and speculate about it. Like, oh yeah, are they going to do it? I don't know if they can afford that buyout. Like, oh yeah, who knows? It seems like at the end of the day, these these teams just do what they want. 
there's enough money coming in. They'll figure that out later. They'll figure out how long they have to pay the guy later. Obviously, what is Tennessee still paying Butch Jones right now? Like, they'll figure out what they have to do and to get it done, move some funds around. But um, it it just – last year after the bad start, it looked very promising because Tennessee finished strong and they – like, it kind of spoke to how the team was bought in and how they rallied around the head coach and everything. But but this year, it, it just feels like every week they're getting worse and worse. And, I mean, what is what is that total – up to the second half that they've been outscored now it's like 105 to 14 or something yep in the last six games uh they've been outscored in the second half like that's just you just can't you can't not only can you not win games like that it's it's very hard to keep a job like that and that's what south carolina and tennessee like yeah you say like oh tennessee easily easily a better job you just kind of move on but then you kind of think about it more and it's like yeah, but the standards at Tennessee are, are so much higher than the standards at South Carolina. Like, obviously, any big-time coach is coming in, they want to win championships, so I'm sure they're going to say all the right things that, oh, they have the highest highest goals and everything like that. But job security has got to be in the back of your head when taking a job like this. And Tennessee, for their aspirations of being a national title contender, at least SEC title contender, it's like, what are we going on 22 years since this team has even won the SEC? So it's, it's very, it was just a very difficult job for like establishing what standards you're, you're holding the guy that comes in to take. Cause Butch Jones, you know, Butch Jones gets a lot of hate, but like he did a pretty good job at, at Tennessee kind of putting them back into the national prominence but then they just seemed to fall off a cliff that in that tw- what was it the 2017 season and then it was like we just got to cut cut ties with this whole situation. So I'm really interested to see what Tennessee does moving forward. But uh, this is just the same same thing we've seen th- for the last month or so. I don't know what they're gonna do. It seems like nobody has any idea. Vanderbilt suddenly looks frisky, and we'll get to them in a second. But yeah, I uh, I have no idea. I just know it's Hugh, bad. Hugh Freeze is coming to the SEC. Like he's gonna be an SEC coach like next year. Like I feel like you can almost guarantee that he's going to be in the SEC. I just don't know where yet. Yeah. Kentucky three, Alabama sixty three. This was the worst loss in the Stoops tenure at UK. Um Alabama, I just if I'm a fan, I don't enjoy any of this. Do you? Like if you're an Alabama fan, their previous scores this season, 38, 19, 52-24, 63-48, 41-24, 48-17 and 41-0. Like none of it's compelling. None of it's compelling. At least Ohio State makes things compelling. At least Clemson sometimes makes things compelling. Alabama, when they're rolling, they're the least compelling interesting team in college football. Yeah, I mean that's why I've asked this question before, and and you know you can't really you can't get an honest answer when you ask like an Alabama fan like is college football season fun? Like, oh, winning's a whole lot of fun. It's like okay, (laughs) obviously it's fun, but like there's like two games a year that you actually like, and you never actually sweat. Honestly, like (laughs) even when Georgia's really good and Georgia's as good as Alabama, and they go toe to toe with them. It's like they knew the whole time they were going to win and they like they never got nervous before the game. It's like they don't know what getting nervous for a win is, you know, and it's like it 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 is miserable existence for a lot of us college football fans that do just get so into the games and have so much heartbreak at the end of the day. But it's like when you win those games, it's just so satisfying that we we won that game that we were sweating all week and it was going back and forth. It's like has it been like 10 years since Alabama like experienced that like in the regular season like they're the the regular season it's it's like an NBA team at this point we're just we're just waiting on the playoff uh so like it's like the Clemson the Clemson games they've had have been have been good but other than that you know maybe the SEC championship and then last year's LSU game but uh other than that you know Alabama seems to just cruise yeah Indiana 35, Ohio State 42. Um, Something that I think is an important takeaway from this game is that Ohio State ran the ball really well against the Hoosiers. Uh, Master Teague finished with 169 yards, two touchdowns. 
that was my biggest question. Like Fields throws three picks. He he started off really hot, but he he got into some trouble. Um, Penix outgained him. Penix was really good in this game too, but um, Indiana got home. Like they pressured Fields well, and Fields made some made some errors. Um, I just I think that's something you need to see if you're an Ohio State fan. Like we have to show that we can run the football if things break down in the passing game and Fields doesn't have time. That we can. We can be multidimensional here and do different stuff to win football games um, against good teams. And for me, they passed that test. But man, this Ohio State secondary is bad. Like we talk about Florida secondary, Ohio State's is going to be is bad, and it's going to be bad the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to say this is the worst game of Justin Fields' career. You know, like by far, just because this guy's been so good. Like literally, he threw half of his career interceptions this weekend against Indiana. So he seemed like he was trying to do too much kind of at times, like kind of seemed like he was holding on to the ball a lot. Um, but I don't know what it was. Uh, Indiana was really creating a lot of pressure, but I still think at the end of the day, like this isn't going to matter for Ohio state in the big 10. Like, I don't think there's anyone else that's going to expose them. But um, as far as moving forward, like Clemson and Alabama, like this, this was telling. I thought this was in terms of what to expect from Ohio State moving moving forward. Yeah, is that your house that's getting knocked on right now? Oh man, it is. They uh, <laughs> that just started. They uh, were getting some work done to our house. I was uh, I was hoping you couldn't hear me down here. That the audio would be all right, but it's uh it's kind of killing me right now. That I, I just thought I was like I was looking around. I was like someone knocking on my door, but uh, I'll try and edit this out. That's funny. Um, Florida thirty-eight, Vanderbilt seventeen. Uh, Vanderbilt's true freshman quarterback Ken Seals, who I like a lot. Um, watched a little bit too much of him this year. Um, he lit Florida's extremely bad secondary up as well. Um, he threw for three hundred nineteen yards, two TDs, an average of nine point five yards per clip. Um, the Commodores. Entered the game averaging only 6.4 yards per pass attempt. Seals was three yards over a season average against the Gators. Uh, seems bad. Yeah, I I was not sure what was happening with Florida's offense early in this game. Um, Vanderbilt was really able to hang in there for a while. I mean, and then Seals, you know, he's looked pretty solid at times this year. Yeah. So he could he could be Vanderbilt's answer moving forward. But, um, yeah, Florida's got to worry about, like, the one thing I would say as a Florida fan is Alabama's defense hasn't been great either. Mm -hmm. So Florida might be able to accomplish all their goals without with with having that glaring weakness on the on the defense. But, uh, yeah, I felt like they were they seemed like they were asleep for about a quarter and a half. And honestly, it seems like every time Florida plays Vanderbilt, maybe at Vanderbilt, it just seems like a. A sleepy game. Vanderbilt hangs around for two quarters, and then Florida kind of gets it together and pulls away. But um, but yeah, Cal Trask, you know, just same old, same old. I feel like the, the most encouraging thing is I feel like this is like a lot of good practice for all of Florida's weapons, kind of without Kyle Pitts, because we know how good Kyle Pitts is. It's like this seems like just good reps for Florida to just sharpen things up uh, and get ready for that SEC championship game. One last note. Uh, Ken Seals looks like he is seven years old. I have uh, <laughs> not been able to wrap my head around Tim being in college. If you look at these pictures of this kid, especially with the helmet off, you're like, oh, my God. Like, I was a young-looking kid. He looks like if I was playing quarterback at a big-time program. It's uh, very alarming. But uh, shout-out to him. Um, Cincinnati, 36. UCF, 33. Uh I picked UCF in this game as one of my misses. Uh, UCF's offense did not do enough. And I was very impressed by what Cincinnati brought to the table. Ritter, a lot of confidence in this game. This was the kind of game he needed to have to really keep them in this playoff chase and show that they had the offense to go against the, the nation's best because the best teams in this country play elite offense. Alabama, Clemson, um, Wisconsin, Florida, AM, like whoever you want to say. Georgia now. Um, you have to score a lot of points. And um they they outscored the best offense in the country. And Ritter had 338 passing yards and most importantly, had seven plays of twenty plus 
yards. They, they, that offense was explosive. And he's also uh, waiting on an apology from uh, from Chase Thomas mm. for uh, just just the blatant disrespect of Desmond Ritter. Had an excellent game. And also 14 carries, 57 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Desmond Ritter, man, he might not be a, a first-round pick. You know, I think Dylan Gabriel is a, is a better, like, pro prospect. But Desmond Ritter gets it done, man. Makes plays. Cincinnati defense. I know um, you like to think that defense no longer exists. But UCF came in, the, came in this game with the number one offense in the country. And... Uh, Cincinnati shut them down, held them to 350. They came in averaging over 600 yards a game, held them to 359 yards and just 33 points. It was a bad beat here for uh, for the gamblers because Cincinnati easily could have punched that touchdown in at the end, but the dude went down. Seemed like a weird time to go down, like just go up 10 points, but fair enough. It worked, and they got the W. BYU... 66 northern alabama 14 the Cougs averaged 9.4 yards per play and put up 555 yards on north alabama um they cruised uh, you're not gonna believe this but byu uh dismantled northern alabama yeah who would have thought i thought this would have been the week that uh <laughs> byu got challenged but zach wilson gets it done Wisconsin. That's why, they, that's why they should play Washington, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, what Washington, know? the unranked behemoths up there in the Northwest. Um, Wisconsin, 7. Northwestern, 17. Um, this is motivation. Northwestern defensive end Ernest Brown, the four said. Everybody thinks we're a smart school. Nah, forget all that. We need to get our respect right now. <laughs> we just keep grinding. Nobody sees that. Nobody sees uh, under the lights. So is he saying Northwestern's not a smart that, school? I don't know. I, I don't like... Uh, Classes I, aren't even that difficult here. <laughs> no. He was like one sentence away from me like, we don't even go to class. Like, we're, we're on the football team. <laughs> um, yeah, North, the, I honestly, the Joey Galloway statement, I heard him kind of walk it back. Like later, he, how he said they were like Reese Davis, the fighting Reese Davises, and they like Well, he said it. they had a bunch of Reese Davises outside, I think, which... He's not wrong. Like, he didn't have to walk it back. Like, if Northwestern's offense sucks, they don't have a lot of five and four stars. They're just. They have, <laughs> what is he saying? Like, they're just a bunch of white dudes. And they're I, think kinda, yeah, I think he's just saying kinda a bunch of. mediocre. Yeah. And he was like, no, I meant Reese Davis. Like, they're, they're not flashy, but they get the job done. And it was like, yeah, yeah I'm sure. I don't that's think that's what you meant. meant. I'm sure that's what you meant, man. But yeah, Wisconsin, uh, I feel like Pat Fitzgerald is good for one of these every, every couple of years. One of these wins, one of these big uh, home wins. It's yeah, the, uh, Graham Mertz is a true the freshman. Long grass. Yeah, he's a true freshman, and he um, he was sacked five times. He threw three picks, and there were five turnovers. Like that was the game. Um, Northwestern deserves credit, but that offense, they still really suck. That Northwestern offense is painful, and I don't know. Wisconsin had to have everything go wrong for them to lose that game. So. Kudos to Northwestern, but uh, they are going to get absolutely throttled by Ohio State in the Big Ten title game if it comes to that. Um, UCLA, 35, Oregon, 38. Um, did you see the the pick six that ended the first half in this game? Or the Yeah, before the half. Man, that was just... What was that? That changed the game. That? That's the reason UCLA lost this football game. Because yeah. the Ducks got the ball back after that pick six, scored in the first drive of the second half, and that was it. Yeah, I really, I mean, you know, they got the win, and that's all that matters, but I just, I wasn't very impressed with, with Oregon. Like, I mean, maybe this UCLA team is better than, you know, than we're than we're aware of, but, you know, if Oregon really considers themselves a, a playoff contender, unfortunately, they have to get style points, and a, a win like this over UCLA that looked kind of ugly and you struggled for a while, I don't know, I I, I I, I see some one-loss teams uh, getting in over Oregon at the moment. Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma wins 41-13. to 13. The best game of Spencer Rattler's Oklahoma career came in this one. He passed for 301 yards, four touchdowns, and ran for another 
Um, here's with the game. I talked about this going in, where Oklahoma's run defense had improved in recent weeks. They held Chubba Hubbard to 44 yards on eight carries. There's just something off with this Oklahoma State offense this year. It's very strange to think to say that about Oklahoma State, but that is that is the case. Yeah, I uh, I feel I feel for Oklahoma State because no one really thought they were legit. They just kind of hanging around the top of the Big 12 for weeks. And it was like, this is this was the moment pretty much everyone was like, okay, is Oklahoma State, are they a contender or not? Are they a legit, you know, top 10 team or not? And I think they proved that, no, they're, they're really nowhere close to that. Oklahoma struggled early in the season, but I think we're finding they're, they're still the best team in the Big 12. You know, like Iowa State, you know, they look good yesterday and they have still have the best record, but... We just know we know the horses that Oklahoma has. You know what I mean? There's they're on another level than everyone in the Big Twelve, and I think it just took them a couple weeks to kind of get rolling this year. But uh, I think I think you're finding out that they are still the best team in the Big Twelve. I agree, but I do think Oklahoma or Iowa State is getting very close to being right there. Um, Coastal beats App State thirty-four to thirteen. My question about App State's offense turned out to be true. Um, the defense of the Chanticleers picked off Zach Thomas three times in this game. One of those was a pick six that ultimately decided this game. Um, Chanticleers undefeated. They keep it going. I like it. Yeah, that that pick six got him to cover the spread too, man. He could have just <laughs> gone down. I was loving that. I was like, ah, oh, I don't see, I don't see me winning this one. But uh, they stole that one late, a little backdoor cover. But uh, yeah, I was really impressed with. Uh, this was definitely like. Some of the most adversity Coastal Carolina had faced all year, and so it was a it was a big time win for them. Good for them. Uh, Iowa State beats Kansas State forty five to nothing. Um, here's an amazing stat for you. After, so this comes from uh, uh, Iowa State's two four seven blog. Um, after it gained sixty two yards on its first drive, Kansas State only gained eighty seven yards for the rest of the game in total. Iowa State held Kansas State to 149 yards of total offense on 47 plays, which averages out to 3.2 yards per play. Oof. Is that bad? That's bad. <laughs> that is quite bad. Yeah, Iowa State basically just did whatever they wanted on offense, and Kansas State had no answer. Because they really, I mean, this game got out of hand before they, they, they turned the ball over a few times in the in the second half, but like it was already out of hand. They just couldn't stop Iowa state's offense. The one I'm just, I'm kicking myself over is USC 33, Utah 17. Um, rising got the start over Bentley rising had back-to-back turnovers an interception and a fumble after being sacked before he left the game due to injury. Bentley comes in and doesn't do enough. Um, Utah's got a quarterback problem, and USC kind of does because Keaton Slovis, I don't think, is 100% healthy, and they're claiming that he's healthy, but he's not really healthy. But uh, this was the kind of defensive effort Todd Orlando's group needed to have against Utah. Um, good win for them, and unfortunately for the Trojans, Clay Helton, his march to coaching this team in 2021 uh, continues gaining momentum. <laughs> they don't they don't know what they want as far as Clay Helton goes, but... Uh... Yeah, I I, uh, I watched a good bit of this game, and I I was not very impressed with Keaton Slovis. I think, yeah, like you said, that maybe there is, maybe he is injured right now. I'm not exactly sure. He he looked fine, but he didn't look like you know necessarily the guy that we saw play last year. But in this game, it didn't matter because Utah's offense was just terrible. Honestly, like I feel like they just never really got anything going. Uh, both teams turned the ball over. It was a uh, it wasn't the great. It wasn't a great uh, game, but but USC got the dub, and yeah, like you said, kept it rolling for Clay Helton. NC State 15, Liberty 14. Uh, Willis, the Flames quarterback, only had one pick before uh, coming into this game. He had thrown 128 consecutive passes without a turnover. Then he got picked off by Jakeem Harris in the first half. Um, true freshman Aiden White and redshirt freshman Isaac Duffy also got some picks off Willis in the second half. This is an all-around defensive masterpiece by Dave Doran's group. Uh, the Wolfpack, great uniforms in this game, by the way. End Liberty's undefeated season. 
order is restored on the East Coast. The Liberty Sham School has lost their football game, so that is always good to see. Um, and it makes it easier for Tennessee to get Jerry Falwell Football Jr. Uh, in Knoxville next year. So an all-around great weekend for, for me on that front. Yeah, I guess, I guess if that's what you're going for, uh, yeah, perfect uh, perfect weekend. But um, I, I was confused at how this game ended. It seemed like Liberty, they had the ball like inside, I don't know where they were, around the 30, 35, like about a minute left in the game. And it seemed like they just played for the for the field goal. And it it, it was too far of a field goal, I feel like, to just kind of... Well, we also have to mention NC State didn't do the, the, the normal thing of calling a timeout to ice them. They just let that's him go, true. and uh, they blocked it anyway. I like it. And I, that's why I, I'm not as big of a fan as the, the icing the kicker in college because so many crazy things happen in, uh, in college games. Like, just let, let the guy run out there, and maybe we can block. I feel like blocked field goals seem to happen a lot more in college. But, but yeah, like you said, NCAA, NC State was able to block it and hold on. I mean, shoot, I guess Virginia Tech blocked it and held on too. They, but uh, the coach canceled that one out. True. Michigan, 48, Rutgers, 42. Um, Can I read you Joe Milton's drive chart before getting plugged by Mr. McNamara? Go for it. Fumble, five plays, 31 yards, turnover on downs, three plays, negative two yards, punt, 10 plays, 55 yards, missed field goal, three plays, minus 11 yards, punt. Um, It uh, it was bad. That was, um, he got pulled. And McNamara came in and saved Michigan and honestly saved Jim Harbaugh's job because I think losing to Rutgers would have been it. Like that would have been the nail in the coffin. Um, they survive Rutgers. Rutgers is feisty. That offense has got a lot of, a lot of spirit to him, but uh, it looks like Michigan finally solved their quarterback issue with McNamara. He was a lot better in this game. Uh, Michigan still has real problems, but uh, they survive another week. Did this uh, did this save Harbaugh's job? I feel like at that point, like the damage is already done. You know what I mean? Like, if you even go to overtime, if you have a game this close with Rutgers, it's like the damage is done. Like we, Jim Harbaugh, we are not the program that we think we are. If if we're if you're going to triple overtime with Rutgers, and I mean, not not only that, having to come back and force overtime with Rutgers. So, yeah, they did get the win, but it, it it still feels like a loss and I don't know. I don't Michigan seems to be the only fan base that likes Jim Harbaugh. So, it's like everyone else around the country every year is, "Oh yeah, you got to get rid of him." Michigan I like, would "No, have Jim Harbaugh yesterday in Knoxville." If he opened like if he was open to it, yeah, absolutely. Well, Give me Jim I mean Harbaugh. in terms in terms of every fan of every other fan base in the country is like, "Oh yeah, Michigan's got to fire him." Oh yeah, yeah they're definitely going to fire him. But Michigan's like, "Oh, I don't know. We got to like him. He's a Michigan man after all." <laughs> but um, I don't know. It, it it just Michigan is. I would have never seen them being this bad um, after after the promise that it looked like uh, early in the Harbaugh years. LSU twenty seven, Arkansas twenty four. What did Arkansas do to the football gods? In what sense? So there was a targeting call late in this game. Hog safety, Jalen Catalan. Oh, yeah. Um, Tigers were down. He has a terrible. T- targeting call i don't think it was targeting um this led to seven plays after that um finley finds jerry jenkins for the go-ahead score so targeting doesn't happen hogs win targeting happens hogs lose another another crazy ending to a hogs game for them yeah, they really have had uh, a wild season. But, you know, the fact that they're just, like, in games and everything and, and competitive, they're, it's, they're playing with house money at this True. point. Last game we'll do here, and we'll wrap up. Uh, your Georgia Bulldogs, JT Daniels makes his debut. JT Daniels comes in, throws all over Mississippi State. But with JT Daniels, there come sacrifices. And that was Georgia's running running attack. Um, yeah. What, what do you think about the debut of JT Daniels and really eviscerating a Mississippi state team that had, let me check my notes here, seven scholarship players playing this game. 
Yeah, they did have 49 scholarship <laughs> players, but yeah, uh, that's that's the one thing. Like JT Daniels looked great, you know, in this game. Like he looked as good as Georgia could have possibly asked. Like just hitting on so many deep balls. Like you know, Georgia fans just wondering where those were against Florida and Alabama. They they seem to have guys running wide running wide open in, in both of those games, and just a quarterback couldn't hit them. But I, I do want to like, but like you said, with 49 scholarship players, like Mississippi State's defense has been fine this year, but like nothing, nothing special. Like, so I'm not gonna get you know JT Daniels for Heisman or anything after after his performance against a, a such a shorthanded Mississippi State team. But you had to be excited with just seeing a vert- vertical passing game. It's like we forgot what that was like, and you didn't, you don't have to do that at the uh, expense of the running game, I think is more just Georgia's inability to run the ball. And I think that's, if you would have told any Georgia fan at eight rushing yards, like what's the score of this game, you know, who knows? You might lose by multiple touchdowns with eight rushing yards. But so JT Daniels, you got to like how he, how he carried uh, the offense. But I mean, Georgia's defense. It's like I was texting with my brothers uh, during the game. It's like, oh, cool. We finally have a quarterback that can pass a little bit, and our defense sucks. So, yeah, cool. That's uh, fantastic. But Mississippi State came in. Like, their offense was – they're the worst offense in the SEC, you know, for one. And if you take out that that LSU – or just say since the LSU game, since that seems to be the outlier of their season – I mean, their their passing offense is bottom of the you know bottom third of the SEC. So Georgia was glad, of course, they got the win. But you know, to have to have such a close game, to have a drive late in the game to to get a final stop, and for that to for that for to take that measure to get a win over Mississippi State, it's uh it's not great. You know what else is not great? Kirby Smart getting defensive about not playing JT Daniels before this weekend. Um, there's a way to handle this, which is um, transparency, which he is not a fan of as most of these sec Southern coaches are not fans of um, Kirby. He's been coaching for 25 years. He had his own. I'm a man. I'm 40. Damn it. Uh, moment, I guess in a way with how he approached this. I, <sighs> you could just get around all of this by just doing what JT Daniels, I think his parents came out today or yesterday saying that like, it was good that he didn't play before this week and that this was the right move that like he wasn't right before this week. It's all he had to say. It's all Kirby had to say. And he just, he's very insecure about certain things like that. And you just, just did it rub you the wrong way that he just got all defensive about it and was like, I've been coached 25 years. And blah, 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 blah. Uh, what, what do you think? I mean, that yeah, that statement in general, I feel like in any job, like, ever has irritated me of just, like, the, I've been doing this forever long. Like, when I was, like, umpire with older guys, you know, it's like, hey, did you think this was the call or something? Was that right there? And he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> I think I know. And you're like, okay, bro. Like, I, I feel like it's just... It sounds like, like you said, it sounds defensive. And especially when you don't have to be defensive. He has, he's kind of like, you, like like you said, he could be more transparent. But he has alluded to the fact that, like, yeah, he is, JT Daniels is medically cleared. But we still don't, like, like where, exactly where he's at, you know, physically. Just say that. I don't know I why he like didn't. He did seem to kind of tiptoe around that in the previous weeks. but um, I think it's because he didn't want to make it seem like Stetson... I think it was to protect Stetson, but like Georgia fans would have been more understanding of Stetson if you had just said JT can't go. Like he's just not there and we'll reevaluate week to week. He's just not ready. And that's probably true. It almost, it almost seems like Kirby, Kirby told JT Daniel that dad to say this because that's like the best thing anyone could have said for Kirby of just like, Oh, we applaud that he took our son's health uh, yeah. above everything else, and just like it seemed like a, a a PR statement of just we value the student athletes' health and well-being over performance, you know, over the scoreboard on the football field on Saturday. But that it that was definitely uh, the best the best uh, 
endorsement Kirby could have gotten. So yeah, it's a uh, now knowing knowing George's luck, JT Daniels will probably ball these next three games, and then just then just go pro, and then George will be scrambling for a quarterback again next year. But but we'll see what happens. I don't know. I think he'll be around for at least one more year. Uh, no, I think I think he's got to be. All right. Well, that's all I got. Uh, Mr. Matt Green, do you have anything else you would like to add before we get out of here today? Uh, I just want to apologize to the listeners for mm. the uh, for the work site, the construction <laughs> zone that's, uh, that's taking place right now. Not only that, I don't know if you heard it any times that you got people working at your house and then like there's some banging, but then you hear Zeus like barking when he sees some people through the window. So I hope uh, I hope the, the the podcast was still was still good and and able to listen to it. Absolutely. All right, for that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green, always a pleasure, sir. Um, For myself, Chase Thomas up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all we have. Uh, We'll be back another episode tomorrow, and the full ride will return either Thanksgiving makes things complicated, so we'll we'll play it by ear. Maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. I don't know. I gotta I gotta figure it out because I will be traveling to your neck of the woods, Mister Mister Green. So. Maybe a social distanced drink or something might be on the horizon with Zeus included, even though, you know, you don't want Zeus out there and barking at people <laughs> scaring, scaring Georgia locals. Or, uh, Tori just gets uh, real, real nervous when Zeus is in Pope. Not that he's going to bite anybody or anything, but he's a, he's a big dog. So she's just always she's always too worried about him doing something and then uh, doesn't end up having a good time herself. So we'll, we'll see. We'll. we'll We'll try to figure out a a way you can hang out with Zeus. All right. Sounds like a plan. Matt, stay safe out there. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.